Welcome back to the YI Network, where we interview every job occupation A through Z from the trash man to the CEO and ask them why and how they started doing what they're doing so that you can find your dream job too. I'm your host, Kojo Thompson, and today we're with Mr. John Crossman. He has been a CEO of a commercial real estate company for over 25 years. And John, how are you doing today? Coach, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, on that introduction, I don't know too much, too much about real estate and definitely not the commercial side of it. So please, if you could, you know, fill in a, a couple holes that I missed there in that introduction, that'd be great. Well, sure. And, and something for uh, your listeners, uh, on my website, www.crossmanco.com, um, we have a guide to commercial real estate. And I actually wrote it uh, for people wanting to get in commercial real estate, college students, young professionals. It's available in five languages, just so you know. Um, so that's something I do a lot of is get people insight into it. So commercial real estate's a big area. There's all kinds of ways to get into it. Uh, but my specific area is shopping centers. We handle over 400 shopping centers in the southeast U.S. We have uh, six offices in the southeast, and uh, we do anything landlords of shopping centers needs to do. So we do leasing, property management, development, investment sales. Wow. So over 400 uh, shopping centers? That's correct. That's yep. crazy. So yep. um, <laughs> let me go ahead and dive right into this thing. Um, so why and how did you become a commercial real estate tour? I don't even know the, the proper right. lingo for it. It's okay. Um, so something new about me, it's kind of uh, unique and maybe interesting, is that uh, my father was a pastor and civil rights leader. So I grew up in this kind of unique environment. And... Um, They've done studies, this is a real thing, where they've researched pastors' kids, doctors' kids, and lawyers' kids, and pastors' kids typically outperform the other two. And the reason why that is, I think, is that when you're a pastor's kid, you grew up in an educated household, that's good, reading, things like that, mm-hmm. And then the secondly, it's a household where there's a purpose, there's morality, there's a, a drive, a vision, you know, what to do. And then the third thing, which is maybe the most important one for this scenario, is you grow up poor. And I can't tell you, I mean, I, I, I grew up in some rough neighborhoods and some dangerous neighborhoods and, and a lot of and a, and a poor. And so I knew from a very early age that I, I liked working hard. I wanted to work hard. I wanted to have an occupation where I could make a really good income and I wouldn't be limited by, you know, uh, hours, nine to five. I wanted to work as much as I can, make as much money as I can. Mm-hmm. So that was my core motivator as a, as a kid. Okay, so, but what really, you know, led you to real estate like what was that path and drive that okay real estate is it and real estate is something that i want to do for over 25 years yeah well so um so you know there's the money part the second part was this i I went to college and i was a finance major because i knew i wanted to get in that side of business and i took a real estate course um and the professor teaching said if you're a finance major and you switch to real estate You'll have more fun and make more money doing that. So that was appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that in a more realistic kind of way, just for me as a person, I like things that are tangible. So you know, I always struggled in like chemistry and science classes that you know molecules things I couldn't see. But if I was going to do a science, I'm more connected to biology because I could just I could visualize it. Mm-hmm. So in the area of finance, when someone's talking about portfolio management, stock management, you know, it seems a little bit abstract to me. But when you're talking about a physical building, like you're going to buy that building, you're going to rent it to these businesses and get a financial return. It just clicked with me better. And then specifically when you go in the area of shopping centers, you know, if you're in um, commercial real estate and you do office leasing, you're going to be working every day with people who are lawyers and 
uh, engineers and accounts, things like that. If you do industrial leasing, you're working with you know people who are truck drivers, things like that. In retail real estate, it's everything. You're dealing with some Fortune 500 companies, you're dealing with regional companies, and dealing with mom and pops, and you're with people who are from all over the world, and they've got really different stories. And I like that. Going back to my childhood, which was very dynamic and, and all kinds of things going on, as a as an adult, as a young adult, I just enjoyed meeting meeting people and hearing their stories and. Listen, I've done deals with people that have Harvard MBAs, and I didn't appeal to deals with people who did not speak English, mm. and, and everything in between. And I like that. I just like the human component to it. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, wow, so you, you, I think you hit two birds with one stone, because um, I was actually going to ask you, you know, what were some childhood hobbies or habits that you had that you think matriculated into you becoming who you are today, but... Um, it seems like, you know, meeting those, those new faces and meeting those new people uh, really resonated with you and uh, made you happy in the long run. Um, so let me go ahead and ask yeah. you this. So how long did it take? So you said you were in college, like how, about how old were you? Because we have a lot of people who are like either fresh out of high school, currently in college or fresh out of college, dropped out, whatever. And they just like are trying to figure themselves out. And, you know, they, they may be feeling bad because they're a certain age and they feel behind. But how old were you when you finally clicked? Well, first off, let me say this, that, um, you know, I see people uh, at all kinds of ages get involved in things that are successful, and I'm 48, and yet um, I'm still learning things and adding skills to my life and doing some different things. So don't don't let what I'm about to say throw you, uh, because for me, I, I knew very early on, and, and the reason why I say this is that poverty was a motivator. Mm. I just knew that I wanted to do all I can to keep my expenses low and get my income high, and so that was really the key part of that for me, and so... Uh, when I was in college, it was probably you know I was probably 20 when I really you know really hit that stride. Now I didn't know exactly in real estate what I wanted, but I just knew the area uh, that I wanted to be in commercial real estate. And I did a lot of job shadowing. Uh, I went and met with people. I can remember I called I would call people and say, "Can I come just spend some time in your office and learn about what you do?" And the tenth time I did it, I was driving to the meeting thinking, "I don't want to do this. This is a waste of my time." And when I got the meeting, I got offered a job, and then I had that job for. For 13 and a half years, which so half my wow. career was at, at that that company before I'm, you know, here. And you know, I back in the day, man, I did anything and everything. Um, I really had a servant's heart. I was the first guy in the office, the last guy to leave, and that's when I made an impact. And I'll tell you one quick story about that because I think this might be of interest. So in 1993, my company took all of our salespeople to Las Vegas for a convention, and they left me at home because I was this young kid that didn't take me. The next year, I was 23, they took everybody, including me. Mm-hmm. The next year, 95, I'm 24 years old, in the Orlando office, they took just me and left all the old guys at home. Wow. So that's crazy, right? So yeah. how did that happen? Well, when I went to Las Vegas when I was 23 years old for this convention, I was the first guy in the booth in the convention center, the last guy to leave. Well, who was the second guy in? The CEO. And I just wouldn't leave until he left. So the next year when the budget cuts, he said to some of the senior people, he goes, I don't know who Crossman is, but you send that guy. And then years later, when he sold his business, he told the new CEO that there's one employee I told you to watch out for is Crossman. And again, it's not that I really knew him or that was close to him. It was that he saw work ethic in me. And I will tell you this, because I think it's important for, for any listeners to hear this. If you had a video camera and you were filming me, the vast majority of my career and you saw me at my desk and the camera pulled back and saw behind me, you would see a sea of empty desks. I can't tell you how many times in my career I was the only guy working. And so I just tell people that nothing beats just really point yourself to hard work. And if somebody's listening to this and they're like saying, hey, that's all great, 
but I don't know what, what it is I need to be doing, be great at what you are, right? If you're working at McDonald's, show up 15 minutes beforehand and be perfectly dressed. You know, stay later. If your shift ends, say, hey, do you need me to stay, stay and stay longer? Whatever you do, do it passionately. And here's what's going to happen is you're going to get promoted or recruited. People are going to notice that. So if you don't know what you're going to do, be really passionate exactly what you are. If you're a student, be a great student. If you're a volunteer, be a great volunteer. If you have a job you hate, become phenomenal at that job. And your life will change. I couldn't have said it any better, John. I, honestly, that was perfect. Um, uh, let me go ahead and ask you this uh, real quick. What do you enjoy least about your, your work? Well, there's, there's two things. One, it's kind of just a, um, a simple thing, which is just detail work. I'm not a detail guy, so when I have to sit down and do a report, that's not my favorite thing. Um, but the hardest part and, and the funnest part are very closely related, and it has to do with people. I had a, a, the opportunity years ago that I got to spend 24 hours with Truett Taffy, who uh, founded Chick-fil-A, you know, self-made billionaire. Wow. I stayed in his house, and so I got to have dinner with him and breakfast and lunch with him, and so I got him asking every question you can think of, like, you know, how did they come in with that chicken sandwich and <laughs> so popular and stuff, waffle fries. And this guy was older, he's in his 80s, billionaire, he owns the Batmobile and stuff, and he had no interest in talking about any, any of that stuff. What he kept talking about was the people and the relationships. And he said, you know, um, there was an employee that they were in foster care, and when they graduated high school, they changed, legally changed their last name to what is his first name, to honor him. And then he would talk about an employee that they helped put through college that then embezzled money and they have to have arrested. And in most stories, he would cry. And, you know, to me, when I think about the hardest part of my job, it's the, it's the people part of it, right? I mean, there are people that, you know, you pour into and you love and care about, and sometimes they... They pass away, you lose them. Sometimes they retire, you can't see them anymore. Sometimes you pour into them, and then they betray you. And I've had that happen on one occasion. People have really helped out, taken from a situation, got a better situation, and then they quit and then try to steal all the clients. And so, you know, when I have to have days where I have to confront those issues, mm. it's really hard. I actually just got published in a little article today about ghosting, and I I'm, I'm, was really pounding on ghosting's wrong. It's wrong in dating, it's wrong in work. You know that in life we have to, we it's good for us to have hard conversations, and it's hard but worthy. And I think that's the kind of person I want to I want to be is I, I want to do hard things that are worthy. And so when you lean in and have to have hard conversations, that's the hard. The, the, what do I least like about the job? Well, you know when I have to, you know, terminate somebody. That's not that's something I don't look forward to. Or when I just have to have a very hard confrontational situation. I don't look forward to that. But those things are worthy and, and healthy for us to pursue. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, let me um, let me ask you this. Uh, I because I, I don't know if, uh, if a lot of people because I don't even know what ghosting is. So can you like explain that just a little bit for us? So so ghosting and dating would be is that you know you go on a couple dates with somebody and you text back and forth and all of a sudden they just quit texting you back like mm. they they disappear. Mm. And so that that's you know somewhat common in the dating world today. And it's, it's, it's really creeped into the business world. And how it happens in business is you're recruiting somebody, you make them an offer, they accept, and then they never show up for work, and then they never get back to you. And so it's four out of culture, I think, part of it is people because of social media being, being less confrontational. It's hard, so they just don't do it. I think it's for the fact that we have a very good economy right now, and there's a lot of jobs available. Um, but it is, it's crazy unprofessional to do that work, and it's just totally inhuman to do it to somebody you're intimate with um but uh you know it's it's you know i have a smaller company and i probably have seen it happen four or five times 
We had a guy one time uh, accept a job, start work for us, work for us about six months, and then ghosted on us. And we had an email address for him, and we, or his supervisor emailed him and said, look, we have your last paycheck. You have to come into the office to get it. You want your last paycheck, you have to come in. Mm. He never got back to us, never showed up, and, and then we, you know, getting his last paycheck. And so that's bizarre, but I mean, I, I, when I talk to other business leaders, they see that. And so, look, I don't, I don't feel like I deal with a lot of hard problems like uh, curing cancer or doing calculus. That's not my life. Well, a lot of my life is doing the hard things, which is people, you know, like in our business, you know, sometimes we have tenants that don't pay their rent and we have to evict them or, you know, we have, you know, somebody in a dishonest situation, you know, we have attorneys involved. I mean, it's that component of life that I think is, is the most challenging. And on the other side, it's absolutely the most rewarding when you have things that come through and people take counsel or you're able to help somebody. I agree completely, 100%. 100%. All right, so uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, what do you like most about your job? Well, yeah, so then that's the other side. It's it's having this time with you. It's wonderful having that time with employees. I'm able to help them, you know, mentor them and help them with their careers. Um, The opportunity, I'll tell you one really cool thing about my job is I I give a lecture, I've given a couple times at at some different colleges, and it's called uh, The Cross-Section Between Capitalism and civil rights. And what I talk to students about is that I consider my dad's legacy and I work on civil rights issues to, to this day. And the reason why I can make such a big impact is because I'm such a devout capitalist. Because I make a good living and because I have a social media platform, I can use that to really bring attention to issues and, uh, and people on charities that, uh, that are not getting any attention. So that's a great part of my job because I'm a CEO and I'm privately held. Um, yesterday, I toured an organization that's called um, United Against Poverty, and they're working to get people off of government assistance, give them the skills they need to, to have a more successful life. I'm able to post that on social media, Facebook, and raise awareness for funds and volunteers for that charity. And I can do that for uh, historically black colleges, which is something I'm really passionate about. I do a lot of work with Florida a and and Bethune-Cookman University. Wow. But I, if, if people follow me on LinkedIn, they'll see me post, and I'll, I'll say things like, hey, when you're recruiting check out your local HBCU, and I, and I like talking about that. So the work part's great. I love serving my clients. I love that part of my world. I love making money, and then I love the opportunities that it gives me to do to make, make bigger impacts. So that's it. Beautiful, beautiful. Dive into um, like the importance of being a public, because I know, it, especially real estate, being the difference between public and private uh, ownership of your company, or not even ownership, but like, uh, I, I don't really know the, you know, yeah. it, please dive into that a little bit. Well, sure. So if you're a publicly traded company, um, you, you have shareholders. And so um, you were, you know, if you're public trade, you're subject to all kinds of laws and uh, scrutiny and so all things you have to abide by. And uh, that that's good I mean, because they're protecting the shareholders. There's value in that. And of course, when you're publicly traded, you can raise capital faster, you can grow faster, and that's exciting. Um, and you usually have a better, bigger structure, and that's good. The, one of the negative things to it is that you have to be a lot more mindful about uh, Twitter or you know taking a public stand on an issue because you might worry about if your investors get offended by that, right? So you kind of have to maybe stay the middle of the road in some things. Um, and when you're privately held, um, you, you can't grow as fast, you have limited capital, uh, but you have way more control, you have total control. So, like if I try to take my company public, you know, we grow faster, you could argue I make a lot more money, 
Uh, but being smaller, I can be more nimble, and I have um, more control, and I can make decisions faster and easier. So, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are CEO of publicly traded companies, and there's a lot of super cool perks to it. And there's also downside. There's lots of cool, super cool perks being private. Beautiful. Yeah. What is an average day like for you as a CEO of a real estate, commercial real estate company? Yeah, so um, I kind of think about it two ways. There's sort of inside, outside. So when I'm inside the office, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm running some key meetings with the key executives or a couple of the departments that report to me directly. And uh, I'm dealing with either issues uh, with uh, recruiting or uh, leadership training. Um, or we're talking about new business development, key clients, and things like that. So that's sort of in the office. Mm-hmm. And then there's other days where I'm out of the office all day, and where I'm at is I'm at conventions, and I'm networking with uh, key clients, relationship building, uh, or I do a lot of public speaking. A big part of my job as CEO is, you know, having a vision and, and understanding what's going on in trends, and also being the brand ambassador. So I do a lot of interviews, I do a lot of writing, and I do a lot of public speaking. And I always sort of, one of my references, I always just try to make my salespeople's cold calls, warm calls. And so that when people are, you know, thinking about real estate, commercial real estate, they've heard of Crossmoney Company, and they, they know good things about us that we're good people to do business with. Wow. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and, um, no, actually, let me, let me, uh, I have one more question. Sure. What, I mean, you, you say you went to college. The, do you think that grades mattered in school? for the success in your career right now? Well, let me tell you a funny story. Um, in 2013, I was named to the Florida State University College Business Hall of Fame. Mm. And at that time, and it's still true today, I'm the youngest member of the College Business Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, I'm trying to think how to tell this. Um, so, when I was in that same year, I ended up having some health issues, and when I was I was sick and I was going to the doctor a lot, I would see my doctor like once a month because of things I would have going on. And one of the times he and I were talking, he said to me, he goes, John, I, I think you're dyslexic. And I was like, what? You know, at the time I was 43, and he said, no, I think you're dyslexic. And I actually, and I said to him, I was like, well, what do I do about it? He's like, oh, you're in your 40s, just write it out now. But I actually went and took some testing, and, and I am dyslexic. So um, going back to that 2013, the same year when I got to the Hall of Fame, the truth is is that when I was at Florida State University, I graduated with a 2.9 GPA. Now here's the important part to pick up. I never skipped class. I studied constantly. I went to every study hall. Every time I get a tutor, I earned that 2.9. It's not like I you know, slipped through class and got a 2.9. There's no way I could have gotten a GPA higher than that. But for 20 years, I was embarrassed about it. 20 years, I never told that story. I didn't express that to people uh, because I was ashamed that, you know, that. Of course, then when I learned that I had a learning disability, it was a lot easier for me to just then go public. With that's, that. I mean, no, that's pretty amazing because if you, if you don't know what dyslexia is, uh, the audience out there listening, it means that, like, you see numbers and letters, like, backwards. So if you're reading, like, a piece of paper, it's really hard to read and really hard to write anything. So... The fact that he got a 2.9 GPA in college is crazy. So go ahead and go ahead and yeah. finish up that story. Well, so the rest of the story is that um, you know a few months ago I was with a friend of mine named uh, Jim Seneff. Jim Seneff's in the Hall of Fame with me, and we were talking about you know life, and he said that um, he's he is dyslexic. He said that he's an introvert, and he said that he has suffered from the imposter syndrome. 
and I, I deal with all three of those. I don't, I'm not as bad at introverts as some other people, but that is more my, my personality style. Mm -hmm. And I actually put a picture of the two of us on, on LinkedIn and actually talked about those three things, got a lot of responses. Well, it just got announced today that Jim uh, just uh, gave $5 million to Florida State University. And so one of the things he and I talked about is the gift of dyslexia. I mean, when you have dyslexia, yeah, it's hard to read and it's hard to do detailed stuff. But I can write an entire speech in my head and give it with no notes. Um, you can kind of deal with big concepts better. So I think that in traditional academia, it rewards photographic memory and this kind of stuff. But that's not all of what life's about. So the reason why I smile when you talk about the GPA, look, I think if you want to become a doctor where you know, knowing very important it's life and death, I mean, yes, GPA matters. But for many other areas of life, it doesn't matter. Um, so I would tell somebody, if people learn disability, don't be ashamed of it, lean into it. If you study where they are and you don't make great grades, don't be embarrassed about that, you know, lean into it. Um, because the world has all kinds of people that, we need people uh, who, you know, have emotional uh, intelligence, you know, that they, they know how to be empathetic to people, they know how to listen. Um, you know, I think that to me, when I talk about drive, I think I was much more driven because things were harder for me. Right? Why did I show up so early at work? Why was I always so passionate? Well, I think that my struggle academically shaped me and actually helped me be more successful. And I'm telling you, you would be surprised how many CEOs I meet that are dyslexic. It is very common. I cannot believe how many times that I hear that. Albert Einstein was dyslexic just to, you know, put the icing on the cake there because he, right. dyslexia, I really don't like the word um, disability because usually it's a superpower every anytime they put the word disability on it. Um, I mean, it's really an advantage the dyslexia. Honestly, if you have it, don't ever feel down about yourself. You're going to struggle for a little bit, maybe in elementary school and middle school or whatever, but you're, you'll be fine. And honestly, it's an advantage that most people would wish they had wish they had so let's go ahead and uh wrap this yeah, yeah i'm sorry say that it's a gift in it's, a way it's a gift yeah no yeah. no doubt no doubt about it um but let's go ahead and wrap this up john uh it was a great interview um so what is one piece of advice that you could give somebody out there listening who either wants to be like you or just you know is looking in general and you know maybe needs to draw like one piece of inspiration from you what's that one piece of advice that you can give them it's hard to get it down to one. But if I said one, I'd say be coachable. Be coachable. And that is, you know, most things in life um, are skill sets that you can learn. You know, sometimes people think, well, I'm not good at relationships. You can learn how to do that. You like, you don't like public speaking. You can learn how to do that. You're like, marriage is hard. You can learn how to be a better uh, better partner. You might say, uh, gosh, I, I don't think I ever could be a good dad. Remember, I, I never had a dad. You can learn how to be a great dad or a great mom or whatever. So, but the key is to be coachable, and to be coachable starts with humility. You want to be a wise person. Your first step is to be a humble person. Pride is the is the enemy to, to, to wisdom. So, if you're if you're humble and you're coachable, you're seeking, desiring to learn, and desiring to get better. Um, and you can learn about anything in today's world, right? But you have to start with a, a desire to be coachable. You know, when my employees criticize me. The first thing I say to them is thank you, and then I fire. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I say thank you because I always tell my employees I want them to feel uh, safe to say whatever they need to say, and then the second part is I, it's on me to then follow up and make sure the issue gets addressed. Right? That's really how we can build healthy trust and relationships. We have to 
deal with, we have to acknowledge issues and then we have to deal with the issues. And so that's why I come back to, man, like having a coachable spirit, desire to learn, uh, that is the, that's the number one thing I would say is best piece of advice. Wow. All right. Um, now, John, I know people want to reach out. I know people want to learn more about commercial real estate. I, we, we didn't even cover half of what we should have covered today, I think, because, I mean, the, just the commercial real estate realm, you get so much good advice. But honestly, um, you, you were telling me about a book that you had that, um, you know, is really helpful in showing especially the youth on, you know, the commercial real estate game that you wrote. And again, this is you said you have over 400 uh uh, say, say that again. 400 shopping centers. 400 shopping centers. So a book from you would probably be optimal for, you know, anybody looking to even get started and in getting into it. So can you please, like, tell them a little bit more about the book, maybe where they can yeah. get it, the website, all that? Yeah, let me walk through a series of things. First off is the, the website is www.crossmanco.com. Now, here's the deal. If you go to the website, you'll see that guide to commercial real estate that you can download, five languages, free, use it any way you want. So there's that. And uh, just so you know, there's some information in the back of it about networking, things like that, that apply to anybody. So there's that resource. The second resource is uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, my daughters love it when I talk about how I'm a YouTuber. Uh, but if you go to the Crossman Company YouTube channel, you'll see numerous lectures on there. I've got lectures on uh you know, career development and some on real estate, some on networking, uh, a lot of the civil rights work I do that's documented, there's, there's videos about that. All that's free. And so anybody can look at that stuff for counsel, learning about it that way. Certainly could follow me on social media, certainly could follow the company on social media. And then the last thing is, is my book. My book is actually uh, not about real estate, it's just about career development. So it's for anybody. And it's called Career Killers, Career Builders. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's won some awards. It's been a bestseller. Um, so you can get it from Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart, Google. Very, very easy to find. Um, it's got 168 reviews on Amazon. So uh, and they're, they're, they're good. It's good reviews, you know. So I'd say check that book out. And uh, um, I think it would be uh, hopefully be a valuable resource uh, for anybody who listens to it. And I'm very easy to find. And so if somebody had some more questions or they want to ask me about my book or they you know, after they read the guide, got some more questions about real estate, they're welcome to email me or reach out in any way they desire. John Crossman, thank you for a perfect interview. I, it couldn't have been any better. Um, and again, John Crossman, uh, with CEO of a commercial real estate company for over 25 years. And let's just give a big shout out to him. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes podcast, SoundCloud and Google Play channels at YI Network and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at YI Network. That's Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, all that. And if you or somebody you know loves their job and would like to inspire others too, make sure to email me at why I'm passionate at gmail.com. Again, why I'm passionate at gmail.com. Talk to you guys soon.